I've been prophesied over many times in my life about money, about marriage, about ministry, and even about my prayer life. Many times we equate prophecy with property, what we're going to get, thus saith the Lord. But is that really how the Bible describes what prophecy is like? Let's talk about it. In today's cruel culture and wounded world, you deserve some good news. And Jesus has taken the punishment for every single person that's in this room. He put the curse in reverse. And just like Adam turned a garden into a grave, Jesus turned a grave so into a garden. So now it's just grace upon grace upon grace and favor upon favor upon favor. But we're still here and we're still standing and we got Jesus so we've got the victory well hello everybody and welcome to preacher think while I take thoughts downloaded from God and his word and upload them to you via the lens of grace and kingdom I am the creator and the host of preacher think Chad Joyner and I am excited to share with you today from my heart what we're going to talk about. And here's the thought that we're going to jump off from. I've been prophesied over many times in my life about money, marriage, ministry, and even my prayer life. Many times we equate prophecy with property, what we're going to get thus saith the Lord. But is that how the Bible really describes it? Now, I don't know about your experience with prophecy, but for many, it's made them wary of Holy Spirit because of the nature or method implored during a prophetic moment. I mean, picture it. You're in a gathering or a worship experience and the speaker calls you out and up front. They begin speaking, uh, either scaring the crap out of you with warnings of judgment or doom on your life, or they overhype you with all the gifts you're going to get from God. Then they lay their hands on you or blow on you or knock you over when you don't unwillingly pass out. And who knows how long you're supposed to lay there until it's okay to get up and return to your seat. And then you go home and wait for the impending doom to show up on your doorstep or that loot from the Lord to land at your front door only to be disappointed in the days, the weeks, the months, or even the years to come, because here you are either paralyzed by uh, an ill-fated prophetic word of woe, hiding in the shadows, existing rather than living, or you're still broke, busted, and disgusted because the Brinks truck still hasn't backed up to dump the dough in your front yard. Now, I, I know those are extreme examples. But you don't have to look far to see this sort of thing happening all over the place. I mean, you can check it out on social media and in the comment section, check out the corresponding stories of people that have become suckers for the sales pitch of guaranteed sensational circumstances or even that have been in they've either been in, in perpetual fear, perpetual fear of some bad action happening to them because a person misrepresenting true prophecy actually used to gift. To, to point to themselves rather than to Jesus. They either became suckers for the sales pitch of guaranteed sensational circumstances or 
they have been in perpetual fear of some bad action happening to them because a person misrepresenting true prophecy actually used the gift in an ill-fated way to point to themselves rather than to Jesus. Now, please don't say what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that any of these things can't happen because if God wants them to happen, they will. But what I am saying is, number one, God isn't the causation of any of your suffering. And number two, the abundant life is available to everyone, but that doesn't necessarily mean out of nowhere cash is going to get crammed in your mailbox. So let's consider consulting the scriptures to see how prophecy actually plays out to get a better grasp on what it looks like for us, especially under grace. And when we do that, I think we got to ask some questions to test whether we're hearing prophetically, what we're hearing prophetically is accurate lining up with the word of God. I mean, I think we got to ask some questions like, is there a difference between old covenant and new covenant prophecy? Um, who are prophets? Are, are prophets still around? Do they still exist? Is that, is that uh, uh, office or, or ministry still in effect? Um, what do they do? Is prophecy about future telling of what's to come or fortune telling about what is? Well, number one, there is a difference between Old Covenant and New Covenant prophecy. Listen, in the Old Covenant, Jeremiah had a word, Isaiah had a word, and so did other prophets about what was to come and who was to come and what that meant in regard to the nation of Israel, God's chosen people. Namely, uh, the, the, the messages that were coming were about the Messiah the message itself and his ministry. It was about Jesus, the gospel, and the new covenant of grace that was on the way. These prophets had a knowledge, a revelation, an insight into things of God that were coming down the pipe. And when they spoke, it lined up with scripture. It wasn't just something hot off the press they just made up in a moment. It wasn't something that pointed to their power or ability to tell the future via some crystal ball. It was intellect and things they had been awakened to, discovered and developed in talks with God as the Spirit fell upon them and opened these things up to them and that they could see or sense before others that lined, uh, before others that lined up with the very word of God, and it was pointing people to Jesus. The old covenant way of prophecy, y'all, was God speaking many times through many ways and many messages sent through the prophets. Now, the new covenant way of prophecy is different. How do I know that? Now, on this side of the cross, beyond the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, God has spoken, past tense, has spoken to us through Christ. That's what Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2 says. That in the old covenant, he spoke through many times, many ways, many messages through the prophets. But now he has spoke to us in one way through his son, Jesus. I'm going to say that again. God has spoken one time through the ministry of Jesus, through the one way of Christ, and the one message of the gospel that's so eloquently recorded for us through the epistles of Peter, Paul, James, and John. And nothing more needs to be added and certainly nothing less to the good news that new covenant prophecy should be proclaimed upon, that should be spoken to, listen, listen, it should be spoken to edify, exhort, encourage, strengthen, and console per 1 Corinthians 14.3. So old covenant prophecy 
was a telling of what was to come in the Messiah, his ministry and his message, while new covenant prophecy is building up, strengthening and consoling in Christ of what he has already done, while encouragement inspires us on to good works God has already prepared for us in advance. Number two, in its actuality, prophecy is an expression of the mighty works of God through us. It is not just talking into the air by some person in a worship experience, speaking to people, giving them direction, telling them what to do. Prophecy is an expression of the mighty works of God through us. Philippians 2 verses 12 through 13 says, work out your soul salvation, not work for it, work out your salvation, obeying God per Romans by that obedient, that new obedient heart that we have, obeying God with deep reverence, fear, and trembling. That's a deep awe and a deep respect for God. For God, listen to this, y'all, for God is working in you, giving you the desire or the will and the power to do or to work what pleases him. God is in you working those things, not you trying to conjure this stuff up. It's not us conjuring up anything because someone spoke a word over us. It's not us putting pressure on ourselves to meet some standard pronounced over our lives. It's us testing what was spoken with the gospel. And as it lines up, God inspiring us via his desire to do what is good in the earth, not for us to gain anything from him, but to reveal or see manifest in the earth all we have already gained from him. Thirdly, in reality, the new covenant way of prophecy, listen, instructs, strengthens, consoles, builds up, encourages, and comforts, listen, listen, Per the norm, an entire body as a whole, not just one person. Now, I'm not saying prophecy can't be proclaimed or maybe even aimed at one person. But even if it is, it usually has an effect on the whole group of people or on a whole group of people. Why do I say that? I say that for two reasons. Number one, because of the believer's connection and relationship to one another and, and how in unity if one person is encouraged, if one believer is encouraged, it most it's, it's most likely going to spill over into others, especially when they're in a group setting. That's the first reason why I say that it usually has an effect on a whole group of people. The second reason is because maybe we should be careful in regard to beating up on someone with a prophetic gifting when they stand and begin prophesying with these words coming out of their mouth first. I don't know who this is for. Now, I have seen people ridicule prophets on, on, on social media, actually even in person, as soon as they start with the words, I don't know who this is for, because they say it should be accurate, it should, it should be directed directly at one person, but maybe we should slow down and be careful in regard to beating up on someone with a prophetic gifting when they stand and begin prophesying with the words, I don't know who this is for, because in a wrong-headed attempt to discredit those expressing the gift of prophecy, simply because they don't know they don't always specifically single someone out. We actually fail to recognize that a word may just be for the whole gathering. And what we'll end up doing is, is we'll end up discouraging that gift within the one that's expressing it. 
at least that's the scriptural new covenant examples that I believe that we see in places like the book of Acts when individuals are prophesying. Furthermore, and I cannot overstate this enough, new covenant prophecy is giving revelatory insight, but listen, it's always going to line up with the gospel if it's truly from God. It's always going to line up with the word of the Lord. It's not nebulous. It's not spooky. It's not weird. It's not new age. It's not like Baskin Robbins, whereas, you know, I scream, you scream, we all scream for ice cream. No, it's, it's not your word, my word, or anybody else's word, but God's word. It helps, not hinders. It's good news, not bad news or advice, and it's not predicated on the ability or availability of the prophet who spoke it, meaning it doesn't point to the prophet or you having to be in constant contact with the prophet for it to work. The prophecy will point to Jesus, his word, and you'll be able to talk to Jesus about it as what's revealed to you in the natural will be what's already been done in the spirit. Not because someone said so, and you have to go try to manufacture the manifestation of this thing in the earth. And last but certainly not least, new covenant prophecy will not tear down anyone, but it will always be a Jesus-centered, Christ-centered solution that soothes and helps bring order not conjure up chaos within the, the, especially within the context of a gathering, because God is a God of order, y'all. And even in the spontaneous, prophets can offer a word of insight as it lines up with the word of God, with the gospel in a calm manner. Now, I don't mean there won't be any excitement within the proclamation, but there will be clarity without this hyper-emotionalism. We've got to remember, we are one with the spirit of God. And I believe when he wants to express a prophetic word through someone to others, he wants to do so in a way that we can all have understanding of it. And by faith, explore that word, discovering all that God has dispensed to us because we are his kids. And speaking of being his kids, I believe that's how we truly link prophecy to property. Remember, I talked about that in our opening thought, how we often equate prophecy with property. I believe us being God's kids is how we truly link prophecy with property. Like I said earlier, oftentimes we think uh, and have been misled via our own assumptions of prophecy and the thinking that it's all about how much and what kind of stuff God's going to bless us with or give us. We equate prophecy with physical property a lot of times, having heard a misconstrued word where we find ourselves waiting for the Lamborghini to show up in the driveway or the huge generational wealth check to hit our bank account. And again, I'm not saying that that stuff can't happen because God can do what he wants to do. And if that happens, that's all well and good. But per the norm, that's not the case. Beyond the norm, when things like that happen, those are what we would call miracles because they're rare, which is at the very core of the miraculous, the rarity of an occurrence. What is the case is that the greatest prophecy that was ever uttered, I believe, was that we became God's 
property. Not that we are going to get some property that we don't already have in Jesus. It was prophesied in Hosea chapter 2, verse 23, that when Jesus comes, he would make, or that when Jesus came, he would make a people that were not his people, his people. The Bible was talking about us, y'all. The Bible was talking about you and I, dirty, rotten Gentiles that were born on the wrong side of the tracks. Those outside of the nation of Israel, those who did not have their Club Israel card, those who did not have the Club Israel members only jacket, those that didn't have the right lineage or the right heritage, non-Jews, Gentiles. That's who the Bible was talking about when he said when Jesus comes, he will make a people that are not his people, his people. Now, because of the finished work of the cross, we have been made the children of God. We are people of his own possession. We are God's property. We are his beautiful creation in union with him. Prophecy fulfilled. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. That Listen, y'all, to me, that is the truest depiction and connection between prophecy and property. Us revealed as his and our unbreakable bond through the insight and revelation of his word, which in truth and as a gift will continue to be spoken prophetically. And many people, listen to this, this is just a side note. Many people argue against the need for rescue and the existence of Jesus to do so. But while some argue against the way, I'm just grateful that God made a way of rescue and connection back to him. The awakening within that he's always been there, that he's never left us, he's never forsaken us, and he doesn't desire to ever leave us or forsake us. Now, the truth is, nothing came into being except through Christ. That's John 1, 3. The fall in the garden was when our delusion began, where we were duped into thinking that we were actually able to live a dependent life relying upon ourselves rather than relying upon God. Um, listen to this. Imagining we had to become peers with God because we were deceived into thinking we weren't like God when we already were. The first, listen to this, y'all. The first bite of the dead fruit in the garden, that's the action of disobedience. That came after we made up our minds to disbelieve first. We, that came after we made up our minds to disbelieve the truth about ourselves first, the truth that we were already like God. So we needed a savior to res rescue us and restore the way of truth again to unshroud our hearts laden with darkness so it would be exposed to Christ as our marvelous light. Christ in us is the most strong, caring, comforting, consoling, i.e. prophetic reality that we can call our own. We're in Christ. Christ is in us. And this can never, ever change no matter what, because all things are held together in Christ Jesus. That's Colossians 1. In him, we live and move and have our being, Acts 17. Now, you can, however, disbelieve it like Adam and Eve did at the fall, and so imagine it not to be true, and you can experience the hell of that. 
But just because you choose to imagine the reality of Jesus, his ministry, his message, and his rescue of us as false does not make it untrue. As my buddy Jameson Allen once said, he said, there's nothing more maddening than trying to deserve something that's already yours. It's like chasing your tail. Listen, Jameson also reminded me that uh, he reminded me of the prodigal sons in Luke 15. Notice I said prodigal sons, plural, because one was recklessly wasteful with the inheritance among the harlots, while the other was recklessly wasteful with his relationship right in the house. But now that's another episode for another day. But when I think about the prodigal sons in Luke 15, it's interesting that there are zero indications that either son ever ceased to be the son of the father. The implications of that are crazy and say to me that you can never unbecome a child of the almighty or like we like to say it in the South, you can never not be a child of the almighty. And again, I know that's a double negative and that's not good grammar, but that's good preaching. You can never not be a child of the almighty. And listen to this. My buddy Jameson also went on to say, the problem isn't that we needed being saved, so to speak, from our badness, but that we think our badness is more defining of us than the hands that formed us out of the dust and the voice that called us very good and yet sustains us in being and reconciled all things. Falling from grace back into law can happen to the best of us, y'all. It's part of the human experience as we learn and grow and ebb and flow and find that we're not experiencing grace in every area of our life because we choose to keep uh, a said area guarded from God, but we need to remember he's the author and perfecter of our faith. And where we have yet to allow grace abound, he so desires to free us in that area so that he can show us that grace does much more abound than that thing that we're trying to hide from him, that we're trying to fix ourselves. Thanks be to God that grace in the personification of Jesus is for every single one of us, having done what we couldn't, which was make us one of his own. So with Jesus, listen to this, linking true new covenant prophecy to us as God's property, I think there's only one question left to answer. If you haven't already, please hear me. Will you allow the strength, care, comfort, counsel, building up and encouragement, which is the crux of new covenant prophecy, overwhelm your heart by the greatest prophetic truth being awakened within you that you belong to God? and believe it by faith in Jesus? Do you believe that he died your death so that you could live his life? Do you believe that the old you died with him, that the old you was buried, and you were raised to new life in Christ Jesus? 
Can you sense a desire within to turn from dead, dark, dry religion and sin to life full and free in the light of Jesus? If you're saying yes, anybody who is listening or viewing this podcast, if you're saying yes right now and you know your heart has just been introduced to Christ in you, I simply say, welcome home. Welcome to the family. Welcome to being dead to sin and alive to God. You now are aware of this prophetic word that was spoken of you and me so long ago that we belong to God and our abundant life is to be set upon Christ's strength and care for us now and through eternity. Mm. I've been prophesied over many times in my life about many different things. And many times we equate prophecy with property. What we're going to get, thus saith the Lord. But is that how the Bible really describes it? Well, it does, but not how most think. Under grace, prophecy points to Jesus to strengthen, console, and encourage his people, which in the rawest sense are his property. And we're not property being pimped by the harlot system of religion. We are God's property being purposed by the holy set apart reality of relationship with and in Christ. You and me participating in what he desires to do in the earth through us. Well, we've run out of time, but we hope you enjoyed the show today. And we surely hope you'll connect with us, especially if you just became aware of Christ in you. And we hope you'll continue to live out your life at the pace of grace. You all be blessed. Want to share the good news? You can support Preacher Thing by sharing it with everyone using the share button. You can stay connected to Preacher Thing via Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and various podcast streaming platforms. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns about what the gospel has done for you, message us or leave them in the comment section. You can also email us at preacherthink at gmo.com. Thanks for tuning in.